Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 tonight. And we want to continue with this that we've been looking at, uh, the head and his body. And uh, the Lord just keeps helping us with this. And I believe he's going to help us tonight. Uh, Good to have uh, Miss Kimberly Pritchett back home with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, I looked up and I said, who's that? Praise God. Who's that in the sound booth messing things around? Is Kimberly. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. But she's got Brandon up there with her, so it's all good. Amen. The other week, Brandon was like a DJ. He, he was just making it happen. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. And, uh, you know, what we've been teaching on over these past now will be seven weeks, seven services, seven uh, parts of this. Uh, what, what, we've been, what we've been looking at is this, this doctrinal aspect of how God views his church and the power, the authority that God views as being present in his church, all right? And when, when we begin, let's, let's look at Matthew 16 and uh, verse 16. You'll remember this is where uh, Peter uh, said, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You're the Christos. You're the anointed one. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Amen. And I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They shall not prevail against it. And the Lord asked me, he said, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? And we talked about how the word prevail Uh, that it it primarily means to overpower or to be strong to another's detriment. So the gates of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. Amen. I hear hear a lot of people talking about the times we live in, and, and there are people that are just giving up, and they are forgetting the one entity that's still in the earth, the church. The church. I don't care how bad it looks, it will turn. Circumstances will turn because the church is in the earth. That's that's just the reality of it. I'm going to show you this even clearer from the Word of God tonight. Because, when listen, you got to be so cautious when you got people that everybody is just wanting to sell the farm because everything's going so bad. Amen. Is that right? When, when you look at issues in our, in our nation, but both sides go to the extreme. 
When, when you talk about guns in our nation, I don't know where you stand on handguns and guns. That's, I don't care. But here's the point. Here's my point that I want, uh, when you have a tragedy like we had in Nashville, all right, you, both sides go to the extremes. That this side over here, you notice which side, this is my left hand. This side over here, they want to ban all guns. Nobody needs guns. Everybody needs, we need to take guns away from everybody right? This side over here, guns are the answer. If we just have more guns, guns are the answer. Well, if, if there's extremes on both sides, the answer's somewhere in the middle. I, I say the answer's somewhere in the middle. So when somebody's saying it's the worst of times, it's the worst of times, it's the worst of times. The Bible says when they are saying it's dark and gross darkness is covering the earth, that that's the time for you to arise and shine because the glory of the Lord is going to be seen. Glory to God. Amen. Do you understand this? That hell cannot overpower the church. Political factions cannot overpower the church. It bothers me when I hear Christians talk about how the devil's behind this politician or demons are driving this, and then they'll talk like those people are going to be able to overcome the church. The, the, the entities behind them are defeated principalities, defeated powers, defeated rulers of the darkness of this world, defeated wickedness in high places. They are defeated. Amen. Dr. Summerall used to tell pastors, they talk about strong men over their city. And Dr. Summerall just grunt and say, there's a strong man, pull him down. If he's there, jerk him off, jerk him down. Why? Because he's defeated, has no right to be there. Am I, do you see what I'm saying? And, and you don't go in there and pray about it. You go in there with your authority and you declare, you have no right to be here. We're pulling you down. Amen. When, when, I was, when we were, uh, uh, we weren't even pastoring then. We were still going to Elder Morton's church in Grandview, Missouri. And uh, Ron Cannoli come out with a new praise and worship CD. How many of y'all remember Ron Cannoli? Oh, I loved Ron Cannoli. Still love Ron Cannoli. But he came out with a song, and, and it, I didn't agree with all of it, but the first part I did, it said, We've been deceived by the devil too long. We're going to tear the devil's kingdom down, right? What he said was his has been ours all along. We'll tear the devil's kingdom down. We're going up to the high places, right? Going up to the high. And the, the, the reality was tear the devil's kingdom down. Well, here's the thing. The problem with that was 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it's finished, the devil's kingdom was torn down. It was defeated. It was destroyed then. It was torn down. Amen. What, what, has, hap what has happened is over the years, religion has allowed the devil to build paper kingdoms back and, and bluff his way back into a seat of authority and power. Every, every time people talk about the power of the devil and they talk about what they've got to do to the devil, they're empowering the devil to act on authority. It's borrowed authority. He doesn't have any of his own. When you say how bad the devil is and what he's able to do in your life, he acts on the authority of your words and makes inroads into your life. When you stand up, you say, nope, you can't have anything in my life. Nothing. 
That's what Jesus said. He said, the prince of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Nothing. Say it out loud. The devil has nothing in me. Tell your neighbor, say, the devil has nothing in you. Hallelujah. I need to move on to Ephesians. But that's why you got to start, you got to stop talking about how the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. The, listen, the devil's only doing what the believer will allow him to do. That's, that's it. And we're not going to allow it. Amen. Amen. Glory. Ephesians 1. So the gates of hell will never overpower the church. Be strong to the detriment of the church. And then the, the question is why? We're going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians tonight. Because when, when Peter said, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, you know, we hear that and we think, wow, you know, and, and we know what that means. Peter didn't know what it meant. He didn't know what he was saying. Because Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My father in heaven revealed it to you. See, Jesus said, Peter, on this revelation, I'm going to reveal myself as the head of the church. Is that what he said? The gates of hell will not prevail against the what? The church. They didn't know what the church was. They had no idea what the church was. What's the church? They were, they were, they were, 12, they were 12 disciples following Jesus around. With, with 70 that followed even further off. They didn't know what the church was. And just like everything else, they forgot what he said. <laughs> Do you ever notice how much they forgot what Jesus said? Amen. He had to remind them after he rose from the dead. He said, go tell them that I said I'd meet them. I'm coming. People say, well, you, well you, but you know, they really believe. Had they believed, they would have been where he said he was going to meet them on the third day. They'd have been early. Amen. I got to believe I'd have been early. I'm early everywhere anyway. I got to believe I'd be early. My wife and I would show up somewhere and I'd go, we're 30 minutes early. And she goes, what's new? <laughs> Nothing. I'm like, Jesus, I don't change. But you You understand? We, we, we begin to get the revelation of the church in Paul's writings. We begin to get the revelation of being the body of Christ. And in, in, it really starts in the book of Ephesians. Is where we start to get the idea of the body of Christ. Ephesians talks more about the church, local and universal, than almost any other book in the Bible. And Paul goes in and explains the relationship between Jesus and his body. Amen. And, and he starts right here in verse 21. This is where we have started a lot. He's talking about where Jesus is seated. Far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. And every name the same, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And put all things under his feet, gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And we know the Amplified Bible says, in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and fills everything everywhere with himself. In that body. So where does the fullness of Christ dwell? In the church. In, the, in his body. 
in His body universal. The, the fullness of God, the full measure of the Holy Spirit. That Every believer has the Spirit in a measure. The, the body collectively has the Spirit without measure. And that's why there's got to be unity in the body. That's why there's got to be unity in a local church. Because to the, to the extent the unity exists is the extent the power exists. Amen. Do, do, do you understand that? Do you want to know why the disciples had problems, fluctuations in their power, in, in their power output? They, they were always in disunity. They were always arguing about who was going to be the top, who was going to be the, the, the big guy, who was going to be the, the, the number one guy. And Jesus, who never had a fluctuation in power because he was always walking in unity and always walking in love, came and said, that's not how it is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, if you want the kingdom flow, you got to be the servant of all. You've got, you've got to serve. You've got to love. You See, the Bible says that we serve each other when we love each other because love's putting the other person first. Love's caring about what the other person thinks. And then there's no fluctuation in power. There's there's no, there's no diminishing in power because we're open for the fullness of the Spirit to flow in us. Oh, glory to God. Amen. And so the church universal has the full measure. That's why Jesus said he wasn't just speaking to the disciples when he said greater works than these shall you do. He was talking to the church universally. And right now, whether anybody, whether the pundits or religious people want to say it or not, right now the church universally is doing the greater works. Greater works are being seen. Amen. I, I, I saw an article not too long ago. You may have seen it. You may have not. There was a young lady in a church service, and uh, through a series of, of issues, she had had some issues, and she had had three toes amputated. Three toes amputated. And the Spirit of God started flowing. The anointing started flowing in that, in that service. And she said her toes grew back. She said it, start, I, it started with a nub. And, and over the period of about two hours, she said, I watched it. I watched them grow. I watched the skin form. I watched the nails form. And there's supposed to be a doctor that witnessed that. And, 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 you know, and you know what you know what boggled my mind? Christians started condemning it. Well, if it was really real, they would have took a video. Why didn't the church put her up? And, and the church was trying to explain. This woman's been the victim of abuse. The, the reason why she lost her toes was from abuse from her former husband. And she's, she's not an extrovert. She's an introvert. She doesn't want any attention. We're just saying God's doing what He said He would do. Why should that shock the church? Why should, that, why should people come out and say that can't be true? Because we settle into this thing, we settle into this thing that we really don't expect the full measure of the power of God to exist in our, in our presence. It's here every time we get together. Every time we get together, Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of you. And Jesus doesn't show up in the midst of somewhere having left three quarters of his power back on the throne. 
Jesus shows up just like He showed up in the natural in Judea and Samaria. He shows up to heal everybody that's sick. He shows up to bless everybody that needs it. He shows up to undo the bondage of the devil from off of everybody's life that will just believe the powers here. Oh, hallelujah. Say out loud, I believe that the power's here. Oh, glory to God. Do you see this? We're vitally connected to Christ. The life in Him is the life in us. Amen. Notice, in that body lives the full measure of Him that makes everything complete. And who fills everything everywhere with himself. In the church, the body of Christ resides the full measure of Christ. And isn't it interesting? This, and, and somebody may say it's just a definition of terms. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say the full measure of Jesus of Nazareth? The full measure of Christ. The full measure of the anointed one and his anointing. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one, the one that was to come. Has he come? Yes, he came. And what did he do? He did everything he was supposed to do. And what did he do? He ascended back to the Father. And what did he do then? He came and filled his body with himself. The full measure of the anointed one dwells in the body. Dwells in the church universally. Amen. And it doesn't matter what. It's there whether they tap into it or not. It's in the Methodist church. It's in the Baptist church. It's in the Presbyterian church. Amen. It's, it's in the Pentecostal church. You know, we talk about those other denominations and act like they don't have any power. And some of the most powerless Christians I've ever met are Pentecostals. They can't, they can't get around their legalism to get into any power. They got, they got to preach against uh, short hair and makeup and pants. They got to preach against beards on men. Where's the power in that? Who's going to get healed? Preaching about how it's sinful for women to wear makeup. I, I, myself, personally, I think it's a great blessing. <laughs> Glory to God. Not, not because I think anybody looks bad without makeup. I'm just saying. I think it's a blessing. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Little dad will do you. <laughs> but, but here's my point. Here's my point. I'm, I'm not getting stuck on that because I've got a lot to get into. Here's, here's my point. We, we've got so many people that are talking about what used to be and how powerful things used to be. I am not less powerful at my age than I was at six months old. But yet there are people that would lead you to believe that the church was more powerful on the day of Pentecost than they are right now. That is physiologically impossible. Because we're more mature. There's more of us. We know more. Do you realize you know volumes more than they knew on the day of Pentecost? You know volumes more than they knew. What did Peter know to preach? He didn't know what was happening. He just knew this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Y'all repent. Repent. Be baptized. 3,000 people born again. Amen. 
They, they, went, they went up to the, the temple to pray at the, at the ninth hour being the hour of prayer. And, and we taught on this. And they walked by that man that had been sitting there. They probably had seen him. The Bible doesn't tell us, but the Bible says he was laid there every day. And he had been there since he was able to get out. We know they saw him. <laughs> and they walked up. Peter didn't try to build his faith. Didn't even give him a sermonette. The man looked at him, and Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, what do I have? The full measure of Christ. I have the name. Right? Because encapsulated in that name is the measure that's in the church. Ha! And, and the faith you put in the name is the reaction you get from the name. And Peter said, what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, and, and then notice what he did. He reached down and picked him up. And the man, legs and ankle bones received strength. He went walking, leaping, praising God. Hallelujah. Peter didn't know there were seven steps to receiving healing. 42 steps to the eight steps to the four points to the three commas. He just knew this is what Jesus said. This is what we're going to do. Amen. Any issue in the church does not stem from a lack of power. The issue is a yielding to that power. I've got to yield to it. Well, what is that power? How, how great is this power? E Ephesians 1, let's start in verse 16. This is a very familiar prayer from the Apostle Paul. But he says something, and I want you to see it. He said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what I'm praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge or for the acknowledgement of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, now. Let me stop right there and say this. So he's saying, there's something I want you to know, and it's going to require the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see that? It's going to require you having this wisdom and revelation that comes from the spirit. Amen. And he said, it's going to require the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And here's why. So you can know what is the hope of his calling, being called to be a Christian, being called to be a believer, what is the hope of that calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, or how he will get glory in the saints. All right? And what is he... Now, now notice, notice all of these phrases, there's a comma after them. No periods comma and what kind of word is and help me conjunction. right conjunction conjunction junction what's your function all right and conjunction what is the exceeding greatness now notice you got to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and your eyes have to be enlightened 
so you can know the exceeding greatness of His power that is toward us, reserved for us, made available to us who believe. Who believe. Amen. Woo, glory. According to the working of His mighty power. Now, this, this is important because he's saying there was a working one day of his mighty power. He didn't just say his power. He said one day there was a working of his mighty power. And that mighty power was what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The Phillips translation says, he wants us to see how tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. There is tremendous power available for us who believe. The, the Goodspeed translation says, and how surpassingly great his power is for us who believe. That's one of the things Paul prays that the believer's eyes would be open to. The greatness of the power that's available to the church. Hallelujah. Amen. Do, do you remember this? When, when Paul, and this has been misused and, and abused by religious people, but Paul uh, uh, in, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians 12, and he was talking about the messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him, right? And, and notice he didn't say, this thing has power over me. It was buffeting him. He said, everywhere I go, this spirit, this messenger of Satan is buffeting me. And he said, for this thing I besought the Lord three times that he should take it from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, okay, I got it. Therefore, most gladly, I'll glory in my infirmities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The, the Weiss Bible says, because when I come to the place that I admit I can't do this, power, moment by moment, is being manifest in me. So what God is saying is, Paul, you don't need me to take this thing from you. You got the power to get rid of it yourself. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. It's not a devil problem. It's a power problem. It's not a devil problem. Well, I just feel like the devil's on me. Get him off you. Get him off you. Throw him off you. Amen. You understand? That, that's so important. Remember the story Brother Hagin told? He said he had to do some business for his mother, and he wasn't available to do it. So he sent his older brother, Dub. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't know. You know, Dub traveled with Bonnie and Clyde. He was, not, he was, he was a bad man for a while. And, 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 and used to fisticuffs. And he'd gotten saved. Brother Hagin had prayed him saved. Huh. And he said, well, I'll go take care of that business. And so he went, and the family started getting on him. And he said, Dub told him, said, you better be glad I'm not like I used to be. I'd already had you whooped. 
And he said, but understand, even though I've changed, if you jump on me, I'm going to do my best to get you off me. And if you get hurt in the process, I can't do anything about that. Amen. Amen. See, when I make this statement that I can't stop the devil from showing up, but I can arrange for him to limp going home, that's what I mean. I I can't stop you from showing up and bearing your teeth, but I also am not going to be responsible for the teeth you lose when I jam the Word of God down your throat. Amen. Because we leave people with the mistaken impression that this mighty power that was wrought in Christ when God raised him from the dead, that we leave the impression that somehow that's not working against the devil. It is not an inert ingredient. I'm going to tell you, teach this to you in just a moment. Everywhere we see this word working, the working of his mighty power, it's the Greek word energia, and it's where we get our word energy, and it always has to do with action. It always always has to do with power. It always have to, has to do with something moving, something changing. Everywhere God's power works, something's changing. Something's moving. Oh, glory. Do, do you understand? In Ephesians 1, you're right there, verse 19 and 20, Paul says it's the same power That raised Christ from the dead. The Montgomery translation says, as seen in the energy of that resistless might. This This is so. Death could not resist the power. It had to let go. And when it let go of Jesus, it had to let go of me. Because, see, when Jesus died, he paid the price for every person's sin. When God raised him from the dead, that same power guaranteed everybody that puts faith in Jesus will be raised from spiritual death and freed from the specter of death being their master. That's how that power was not just powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. It was powerful enough to raise every person on this planet from spiritual death and not even drain it a, 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 a bit. Glory. The word working, we said, is it energy, is where we get our word for energy. In the New Testament, it's never used to describe human power. Never. It's never used to describe human power. Sometimes it's used to describe the the power uh, that a principality or a power may may exert. But it's, it's generally used to describe the power of God only. Never human power. Amen. The, the, those, that word is always used to describe the action of some power that's beyond the power of man or in this world. The word describes action. It describes action strong and powerful. And it describes action above all as effective. So, so what does that mean? When you operate that power, it's effective. You never operate that power and nothing happens. You, you, you understand? This is important. 
Because, because, because what happens, what happens is, you know, we, we used to sing the song in church, power, power, Lord, power, power, Lord, power. Holy Ghost, power, power, Lord, Holy Ghost, power, power, Lord. Anybody in here sick, come on up. The Lord might heal you. Power, power, Lord. I'm not making fun. I mean, that's how we were raised. Well, if there's power, power, Lord, if it's present, then we shouldn't say, come on up. The Lord might heal you. When Jesus was in that room and it said the power of the Lord was present to heal them, he acted on that power. When the, and, and what was the catalyst for that power? Faith. He looked up and he saw their faith. And, and the man was healed. What, what if he looked over all that audience and saw their faith? They'd have been healed. Why? Because the power was present. What do you believe? Amen. So Paul states, this same active, strong, powerful, effective power resides in the believer. ha. <laughs> Look at uh, uh, Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. If every pastor would be a student of the pastoral epistles, he'd have a strong church. If he'd be a student of the Pauline epistles, he'd have a strong church. You can't pastor out of the Old Testament. You can't pastor out of the Gospels. You got to pastor out of the epistles. That's, you don't throw away the, 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 the Old Testament or the four Gospels. I, we've been teaching out of them consistently. But the, 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 the power for the church is found in the Pauline epistles. What Paul said is not more important than what Jesus said. But Jesus, Jesus talked about the church in the future. Jesus didn't deal with the church. You can't live successfully as a Christian out of the four Gospels. People say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it, it doesn't matter. There was no infilling of the Holy Spirit until after Jesus ascended to the Father. Nobody in Jesus' day except Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. And that's why you see Jesus operating in power everywhere he went. And you see other people struggling. Hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. It is a good word. Philippians chapter 3. I'll amen that. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable to his death. The Norley translation says, I want to and experience the power of his resurrection. So Paul, throughout his epistles, is saying there's a power that I want to become progressively more acquainted with, and it's the power of his resurrection, all right? The Amplified Bible says, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I might become progressively become more and more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, and that I may in the same way, what way? More deeply and more intimately acquainted I might in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. 
Do you see that? I, I, I want to know this. The power outflowing from his resurrection that it exerts over believers. He says, I can become progressively more acquainted with that. Amen. This is so important because notice, we're to be, we are to progressively become more acquainted with Christ and the power that's outflowing from his resurrection. And then he says, and I want uh, so that I can share his sufferings. Well, to understand that, I got to remember what his sufferings aren't. They are not sickness, disease, poverty. They're not anything associated with the curse. When he's talking about his sufferings, he's talking about what we got to walk through to just live this Christian life. The persecution we're going to face. The the issues we got to deal with with our flesh. And Paul says the answer to that is to become progressively more acquainted with the power of his resurrection. Amen. Y'all know me, I'm just blunt. I, I, I get so tired of hearing Christians whine about sin. And whine, whiny baby Christians, whining about sin, whining about how sin is tough, and I got this problem, and I got that problem, and I got a porn problem, and I got a cussing problem, and I got a drinking problem. I mean, what have we, what have we come to in believing the power that we got pastors that are facing drunk driving charges, and we got, pe- we, we got statistics that say 60% of men in churches have a pornography problem. What? How is that possible when in the church is the full measure of, the, of Christ? I don't understand it. I, I just, I, forgive me. I just, I've, I've had people say, well, you're old school. Well, then maybe they need to be old school. I, I don't understand that. Paul said, if you become progressively more acquainted with the power of his resurrection, that you'll be able to share his sufferings. Is that right? Glory to God. Amen. I'm telling you what, the power of the resurrection will burn out of anybody what doesn't need to be there and put into anybody what needs to be there. Amen. Quit white-knuckling it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Oh, man, I messed up again. Get a hold of the power of the resurrection. Amen. That's the key. That's the key. And when you grab a hold of that, those days are done. Now, how how do I know that? (laughs) I got 10 minutes. Here's Here's the issue. The Bible makes a statement. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you're not under the oldness of the letter, you're under the newness of the Spirit. Now, I know Galatians says we're not under law but under grace, but that's what it means. We're not under the oldness, the deadness of the letter, the deadness of the law. We are under the power of the Spirit, which is embodied in grace. When somebody says grace, they're saying the power of the Spirit. That's what grace is, God's power, God's ability used on your behalf even though you don't deserve it. I don't deserve to operate in the power of this resurrection, but it's mine. It's my birthright. Paul said in Ephesians 1, it's my inheritance. The greatest thing Jesus could leave us, he left us the power of his resurrection. There's a lot here. 
1 Corinthians 15. And you know, you can listen to it over and over and over again. And you know, I encourage that. Because you, you don't get it all in one setting. The Holy Spirit's saying a lot in these meetings. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, we talked about this a lot on Sunday morning. We're going to talk about it a lot this, this coming up Sunday morning. But here's what I want you to see. The death and the burial of Christ are presented in the past tense. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ died. Christ was buried. The resurrection is presented in the perfect present tense as an abiding power, a continuing influence. In other words, the power that flowed when Christ rose from the dead is still flowing and still in operation in the life of the believer. See, the Bible says the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed how often? How often? Day by day. How is it renewed day by day? Because the power of the resurrection is flowing day by day, day by day, day by day, day by day. People say, well, I just feel, I feel weak and dry spiritually. It's because you've distanced yourself from the flow. If you stay hooked up to the flow, you won't feel dry. I don't understand the concept. I don't understand the concept of backsliding. I don't understand the concept of feeling away from God. I don't understand the concept of feeling cold and lukewarm in your walk. How can you be cold and lukewarm in your walk when you're hooked up to the resurrection power of God? It's something I've got to consistently push into and press into. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil tell you that you're away from God. Don't let the devil tell you that you're separated from God. Don't let the devil tell you that your walk with God is not where it ought to be. You tell the devil how your walk with God is. No, sir. I am connected to the vine. He's the vine. I'm the branch. I am vitally connected to him. The same power in him is the power that's in me. My father is his father. I am his child and he is my elder brother and I am vitally connected to him I am abiding in Jesus glory to God how do you, do you see that instead of getting up and preaching messages that are socially acceptable trying to make people feel good about their weaknesses and I don't want to offend nobody and we don't give them any power to get over it Amen. That, that, that's the reality of it. No matter what you may be dealing with, no matter what you may be facing, oppression, depression, sickness in your body, trials that you're going through, trouble that you're facing, the answer is the power of the resurrection. The answer is the power that's found in the Word of God. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, we're all just broken people. Beg your pardon, I'm not. I was broken when I came to Jesus. I've been fixed. I've been made complete in Him. I am not broken. I am not broken. I am not broken. I am not broken. Too much power flowing through me. I am too much flowing through you. You are not broken. Well, you know, Pastor, we're all flawed. No, I'm not. The Bible says I've been made perfect and complete in Him. Amen. Well, we all got our problems. That the power of the resurrection will fix. 
Amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's why you got an argument in the church about can homosexuals preach? Can, can they be in, a, in an area of leadership? That's why you got a problem because they have not contacted the power of the resurrection. And I'm not, I'm not against anybody personally. I'm just telling you according to Scripture. Amen. I, I, I was looking at a post one time, and there was a man that said he was battling some of this. And, and i got to be careful with this, but he was battling some of this. And, and he made the statement, he said, homosexuality is a temptation that must be resisted. And one man said, or a plan of the devil that has to be done away with. Amen. If you were when you came to Christ, you weren't after you came to Christ. Because the power of the resurrection changed it. But we got to love everybody. I do love everybody. I love everybody with every fiber of my being. I love them enough to want people to change. I want that drug addict to change. I want the alcoholic to change. I want the liar to change. I want the cheating husband to change. I want the homosexual to change. I want the hypocrite to change. I want the religious person that knows every scripture I'm quoting tonight to change. Because, because knowledge doesn't mean power. I can have knowledge and no power. Oh, glory. So Paul lets us know that the way we live in overcoming spiritual life is to live out of the flow of this resurrection life. Look, look here at Romans chapter 6. I'm almost done. Bear with me. You know, I, I told my wife one time, I said, I said, I, I, I preached over my hour of power, and she gave me an out, so I'm going to use it tonight. She said, you know, really, you didn't start preaching until 15 after because you did the offering for 15 minutes. So I'm not going to take the whole 15, but I need you to see this. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Do you not know so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. Now watch. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory or by the glorious power of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's not talking about in the sweet by and by. It's not talking about at the, the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ. It says, if you were crucified with him and you were, and you were planted in the likeness of his death, then when you were born again, you are in the likeness of his resurrection. What is that? Newness of life. The Amplified Bible says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that, watch, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. Hallelujah. So how do we live and behave in this newness of life? Through the resurrection power that was exerted in us when we were raised from the dead spiritually. Oh, Hallelujah. We were, we, were, we were just as much raised from the dead as Christ was raised from the dead. 
And, and see, when, 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 when you made Jesus Lord, when you came to Jesus, you were dead. See, understand this. Can, can I share this with you real quick? When Jesus died on the cross, in God's mind, in God's estimation, every person in the world born then, every person that will ever be born was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Had to be. Because the, the sacrifice had to cover everybody. I didn't say everybody's forgiven. Hear me. Because the newness of life did not happen on the cross. Jesus was not raised to newness of life until after the cross. So every person came to Christ in that condition of spiritual death, yet in the mind of God, having died on the cross with Christ. Christ died to sin. Christ died for sin. Christ became sin. You were a sinner because of your sin and because you had not died to sin. And when you came to Christ and you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you said, I confess Him as my Lord, it was at that moment you were raised from this death, death spiritually and became a new creature. A resurrected new creature. The Jesus that rose from the dead was not the Jesus that went into the ground. Was not. He was the first man born again. The first man born again from the dead. Not born again because he sinned. He, somebody had to set the standard that we would replicate. Does that make sense? So he died to sin. He died for sin. He was made sin. He carried our sin to the place of punishment and bore the punishment for our sin in the belly of the earth. But after three days and nights in the belly of the earth, the power of God went into the belly of the earth and raised him from the dead. Until you made Jesus your Lord, you were languishing in the place of the dead. You were languishing in the place of death. Death had a hold on you. But when you said, Jesus is my Lord, the power of God went into the place of the dead and raised you from the dead. Woo! And that same power is still flowing through you. Still flowing through you. That's what Paul called the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's why we hear stories. You know how John Lake, they put that bloody froth in his hand uh, from the bubonic plague. And, and they looked under the microscope and it died. And Lake stood back and he said, that's the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. What, what had he come to understand? What was the revelation he had a hold of? There is, too much revel there is too much resurrection life in me for that death to overcome me. You can get to the point where you are so cognizant of the resurrection life power of God that is on the inside of you that death can try to wrap you up but it just can't do it because the power of the resurrection is in you glory to God see they had a revelation and people preach it and teach it and they say you know that John Lake used to say stand in the mirror every day and look in the mirror and say there is a man with God on the inside of him they had a revelation that the power of God lived on the inside of them that lived on the inside of them 
Amen. It wasn't just a confession. It was something they were cognizant of every day. Glory to God. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to hurry. I got to be done. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, our old man's crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We know our Amplified Bible says we know our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might not no longer be the slaves of sin. So with the resurrection power flowing through me, I am ineffective and inactive through evil by the power of the resurrection. I am ineffective for evil. I am inactive for sin because the power of the resurrection is flowing in me. Amen. Verse 9, same chapter, notice. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead does not die anymore, death has no more dominion over him. For that he died, he died unto sin once, in that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, likewise, key word, likewise, likewise. Now, now this is important. Why can he say likewise? Because if it says Jesus died on the cross, he could say, likewise, so did you. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Father. Likewise, so were you. Hear me. In God's mind, did you die the same death? You did. In God's mind, were you raised the same time Jesus was raised? Same power was exerted. See, that power is still outworking. God does not have to exert that power anymore. It was exerted once when he raised Christ from the dead, and that set the standard. Now, every person that makes Jesus their Lord just enters into that power. The Amplified Bible says, So consider yourselves also dead to sin, and your relationship to it broken. Believe but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him. Our relation to sin was broken through the power of the resurrection. And we got to consider ourselves dead to sin and its power. What am I alive to? The power of the resurrection. There was a power of death that flowed through me before I was born again. Now that sounds elementary. But there was a power that drove you to do what you were doing. Drove you to live the way you were living. Drove, right? There's a power that drives you to overcome. If, if, if you're not taught wrong, you, from the day you're born again, you will believe you can overcome anything. You have to be taught that you can't. flowing through you right now well what do I have to do to tap it act on it all you got to do is act on it all you got to do is act on it you just got to act on it the power of God's flowing through me the resurrection power of God is in me look in the mirror and tell yourself I won't go under today the resurrection power of God's flowing in me amen I'm an, I tell myself all the time I'm a born overcomer that's what I do I overcome. I overcome. You overcome. You overcome. 
You overcome. The greater one lives in you. What greater one? The greater one, the one that death couldn't hold, the one that hell couldn't hold, the greatest one there has ever been or ever will be. He lives in his fullest measure in the church. So, in closing, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church because the power of sin has been broken over the believer. It cannot prevail. It cannot prevail. And, and, and I'll just, I'll leave you with this. You do whatever you want to do with it. The devil can't keep your family bound. The devil can't keep your children bound. He doesn't have the power to do it. Well, he's blind in their minds. Take authority over him. Yeah, but it's not working. Says, okay, says who? Is, is that the one with the revelation power flowing through, the re resurrection power talking? Or the natural you? Amen. When you speak, things change. And, and we've learned because the same power that God used when he spoke the worlds into existence is in us. Well, the same power that God raised Jesus from the dead with, the same power that Jesus walked on this earth with lives in us. I think, I, I really think this, I, I think it, that it's time that many in the body, and, and not you by any means am I saying, but I'm saying this, many in the body need to quit talking about all the revelation of the power and start acting on the revelation of the power. Because I know, listen, listen, this makes me shout. When I'm studying, I'm shouting. I, I, got, I, got a, I got a film every Wednesday for the Kansas location. I was shouting today. I'm the only one in the room beside Pastor Larry. But he's back there going, oh, help, oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. I can even hear Jim in his office. Glory! And I'm kicking. Oh, glory to God! But here's the thing. Let's not just shout about it. Let's go act on it. There are things that you will never have to deal with again. I'm telling you, I sense that in the spirit right now. God fixed something in your body tonight. You do whatever you want to do with it. God fixed it. And, and I, what I saw is just like a, a, a dial just turned. Fixed. It's fixed. Glory. Let's stand up tonight. Woo, glory. Amen.